0: About you know, revitalizing the Cape and Islands and Southeastern Mass while maintaining that village mentality that people love when they come to New England.
1: This is episode two hundred and fifteen of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast from the Institute for Local Self Reliance. Welcome, I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Open Cape, a Massachusetts nonprofit, open access middle mile network, has been providing services to southeastern Massachusetts since 2013. At first, the network just connected community anchor institutions, but now it offers fiber connectivity to businesses as well. In this episode, Chris talks with Steve Johnston, Cape's Executive Director, who takes us through some of the changes that Cape has experienced in the past several years and how the community has benefited. Steve also describes more changes in store and how they plan to move into the future. Check out their website, opencape.org, to learn more about what Open Cape has done and where they're going. And look for our stories at muninetworks.org. Now, here are Chris and Steve Johnston, Executive Director of Open Cape.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bids Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Steve Johnston, the Executive Director of Open Cape out there in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here.
2: I'm excited to, to get a better sense of what's going on. You've had some pretty great developments recently. Um, but as always, I'd like to start by giving people a little bit of a background. Uh, what is the What was the genesis of OpenCape?
0: Sure. Really quickly, I'm sure most of your audience is probably obviously familiar with the BTOP process. OpenCape is kind of testament to it's it's better to be lucky sometimes. Uh, in 2006, there was a meeting here on Cape Cod and and included people from Southeastern Mass, uh, Cape Cod, and the islands, uh, Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard, and where everyone was talking about, hey, we need better connectivity, we need better service, about 300 people showed up, and that was the original genesis of kind of Open Cape. Not long after that period, the whole BTOP program was initiated, and Open Cape applied, and certainly you know, we, we received a grant, and that allowed us to build close to 500 miles of fiber that runs from um, – uh, across southeastern Mass, uh, down from Boston, uh, onto Cape Cod, back and forth across Cape Cod, all the way out to the end of Cape Cod, to Provincetown, um, out to uh, Nantucket, uh, back across the Cape, uh, across another bridge, out through New Bedford, Fall River, to Providence, Massachusetts. So, um, connecting in two spots and giving uh, the whole region, uh, you know, access to this great state-of-the-art uh, network.
2: And I think it's worth noting uh I think people think Cape Cod they think you know lots of rich people vacations what is the what are the demographics of Cape Cod actually like? you're
0: right when people first envision Cape Cod you know they they absolutely think Kennedy is, and you think about Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket, and you think about uh shockingly wealthy people coming here for the summers and there is some of that, but what really the when our region looks just like is dramatically different you're talking about. Uh, places like Provincetown, Massachusetts, where they have 38% unemployment outside of those three months of June, July, and August. And you think about uh, people that don't have any service at all. If you live out on the Outer Cape, what we call you know near the National Seashore, uh, you may be using satellite or dial-up service. So there are certainly pockets of underserved individuals. Yes, there are absolute pockets of great wealth, and that is actually kind of Fed into our strategy of how we're looking to extend Open Cape and build out, taking advantage of that. But really, when you look at the majority of our network, uh, you've got pockets of completely underserved uh, areas, even off Cape. You know, when you, when I look at my service map, on Cape is a, a very different strategy. The Cape and Islands are a very different strategy. As off Cape, uh, when I say off Cape, if you have to go across, there's a canal that connects uh, the Cape Cod Canal. There's two bridges that you go across. And you go out to Fall River, New Bedford, Mass., uh, both cities of, you know, 100,000 individuals plus, uh, large immigrant populations. Uh, we've got Amazon.com just coming into Fall River. So there's kind of a revitalization effort here, probably similar to we've, like we've seen in areas like Chattanooga or places like that. So um, Yes, when people think of Cape Cod, uh, they think of the Kennedys, but there's also a huge uh, underside of it. And it's also, shockingly enough, it's the third oldest county in the country. So uh, we have a lot of seniors, a lot of retirees that come here, and as we're looking at extending um, Open Cape, it really is about having a conversation about economic development and how do we uh, have younger, younger individuals return here, families return here, and how do we serve all segments of the population.
2: Well, and I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about how you're going to be serving all of the population. Uh, but before we get there, uh, one of the first things I think it often makes sense to do before you can build out Last Mile Connections is to connect anchor institutions to make sure that people at the very least can get to the library, the, the public schools to gain some kind of access. Um, you know, how is that part of your business plan working out, connecting those anchor institutions?
0: It's going well. So um – the, the network went live in uh, January of two thousand and thirteen. Uh, you know we still were building out some of the the, the, the main uh, backbone throughout the rest of two thousand and thirteen. but in two thousand and fourteen we pretty much had come to a uh, conclusion of that we 've connected uh, about one hundred and ten community anchor institutions, uh, really kind of a diverse group of organizations and buildings. basically all the fifteen towns on Cape Cod have uh, multiple um, facilities connected to the network, which is great. Uh, here on the Cape, we work with an organization called the Cape Cod Commission, and the commission is uh, kind of the overlord of all things Cape Cod. Like Sandwich Mass was incorporated in 1632, You know, so uh, the historic uh, properties of maintaining buildings and things like that, that all comes under the auspice of um, um, local historical groups and as well as the Cape Cod Commission. But the Cape Cod Commission has really stepped up uh, and to work in collaboration with us where they have uh, encouraged us through um, paying for towns to connect to the uh, the regional wide area network, buildings that were not already uh, included as part of our Btop grant where we've created a, a very effective regional wide area network that's connecting uh, the 15 Cape Towns, uh, Martha's Vineyard, and Nantucket that's allowing us to share and promote information and data between town halls town clerks uh things like beach stickers which here are a way of life Uh, if you want to get a beach sticker and maybe you live in sandwich you need to go out to the outer cape or something like that they're sharing information so these services don't have to be recreated so i think we're doing a good job in expanding that Um, when i got to open cape uh, in september of last year uh, we really spent a lot of time, a lot of effort in revitalizing our communications out to these towns because we we really saw the towns as being a core uh, partner in expanding the network and having people utilize it, understand it, understand all the implications of what having fiber in your community means so uh, we 're seeing a good we 're seeing a good response. I know right now we 're about to do a huge Tuesday of next week uh, Montemoy Regional School District, which will put us into a category where we are now servicing uh, 74% of all the high schools uh, on the Cape and Islands.
2: And your the original business model was open access. Is that something that you're continuing to do as you look to expand?
0: It is. It's something uh, we're spending a, an extraordinary amount of time on. Uh, you know, We're an open access network. We're a nonprofit, which also puts us in a different kind of category. Uh, but open access is a huge part of this. And, and currently, I spend a huge amount of my time uh, looking at and and talking with potential partners who want to come here and offer services um, i think originally when the original plan was was thought up open cape is a great example of of what the btop program really should be i think uh you know we have a an area that is you know geographically different from most of you know the contiguous united states um you know, when you go out on the end of the Outer Cape, it's beautiful, but it's also it's kind of third world in a sense because it is the end of civilization out there. Uh, you know, the winters are very harsh, and you're out on the Outer Cape. And I think the incumbent provider that was here, and really there's only one, uh, kind of had fair reign to do whatever they wanted to do in terms of pricing, in terms of service, in terms of infrastructure. Uh, so our presence alone has really made a huge difference in that. And I think um, encouraging more partners to come here is a core part of our job, and we're working really hard to do that. So, yes.
2: And so would you say that one of your benefits then is that you've forced the incumbent provider just to do a better job?
0: Absolutely. I mean, when you look at the different things that we've accomplished here, the, the number one thing that I think is we've provided a choice. And, and I'm saying that before I've even hooked up one uh, residential Individual. Right now, we've been focused on community anchor institutions and you know some of the, the businesses here. Uh, and as we're moving now toward the residential, you know, looking seriously at residential deployments and extending the neighborhood, the the uh, network, it certainly puts pressure on the incumbent providers to do a couple different things: to increase their service levels, to look at a more uh, reasonable pricing policies. That part is a huge benefit for folks here that simply are crying out for service.
2: Let's turn to your expansion. Uh, tell us a little bit about the plan of, of pivoting, uh, moving from focused on middle mile to um, really figuring out how to bring it to individuals.
0: Chris, you actually get some of the credit for this. Uh, I think the first or second few days that I was on the job here at OpenK <laughs> Plus Fall, uh, you happened to be, along with uh, Elliot Noss from, from Ting, uh, we're here in Martha's Vineyard for. I'm uh, no, sorry, not Martha's Vineyard. Wood Hole,
2: right? With with Art Gaylord.
0: Yes, with Art Gaylord down at the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Art Gaylord was the uh, recently retired uh, director of IT for Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute. He's the chairman of the board of Open Cape, and was the, one of the co-founders and is a huge force here on the Cape for you know broadband coverage. But we were you guys were there for a meeting, and uh, Art arranged uh, a little discussion for a variety of us. And uh, in talking to Chris and talking to yourself and talking to Elliot, one of the things that became abundantly clear was we had to do a better job at least to getting some uh, initial mapping of what demand looked like. And that's something that we had not done. Um, my predecessors hadn't done it, and we just didn't have that data. So we started on this uh, initial process of, Of looking at the Crowdfiber tool as one of our options, Um, and talking with Greg down in Atlanta.
2: And so uh for people who who maybe have just heard of it CrowdFiber and, and Greg Richardson um is the person who's most associated with it um you know his team uh CrowdFiber allows you to put up a website in which people can subscribe or can like pre-subscribe and say yes I'm interested in this or you can provide all kinds of demographic information or statistical information about what their interest is what kind of connections they have and that sort of thing is that about right
0: yeah, that's exactly right. And for me, you know, I come from a, an internet background. My my background is, you know, I worked for public broadcasting for 17 years, so I understand technology. And I worked for a relatively large internet company on the West Coast, so I understand, you know, how to utilize the internet as far as a data collection tool. So, in talking with the guys at CrowdFiber and talking with Greg and Bailey, um, we were able to kind of come up with uh, utilizing their tool, customizing it a little bit. To uh, allow us to launch uh, the CrowdFiber site, we launched it about two weeks ago now, um, and we did this purposely at this time of year because our demographic, our area, is a little bit different. You know, um, we have some towns uh, here on the Cape where 75% of the homeowners are second homeowners. So uh, you know, in the off months, you may only have 25% of the population there on the outer cape, and that's uh, so we purposely launched it in uh, the summer so that we had the most popular, most people here to utilize it. But basically, and what we're doing at this point is for uh, the 45 towns we touch directly and uh, some of the tangential towns we touch, uh, we're offering the ability to go in, and say, "Hey, I'm raising my hand digitally. I'm a business. I'm a resident." Uh, I'm interested in service. And we're not actually asking them to pre-subscribe at this moment. We're simply just taking the temperature. Uh, are you interested in getting better internet connectivity? Here's my address. Uh, let me know how it's going. So we've had uh, about 550 people participate in two weeks, which is great considering we haven't even really launched uh, the media part of the, the uh, campaign yet. We were just uh, kind of soft launching it and having it be tested out. And it's working incredibly well. Uh, some communities uh, that we had met with and they knew this was coming, we met with all the Cape communities had really got behind this and are promoting it in their communities. And that's why that whole communication part of it is so critical. We spent so much time uh, rebuilding, refreshing relationships with uh, the selectmen, the town leaders, the influencers in every community so that when we did roll this out, uh, we would be guaranteed to have you know, enthusiastic participation.
2: Now, I want to get back to those meetings in a second. But first, I just wanted to note something, and I i may have made a little bit of an error. I said you were rolling it out to individuals. And I remember reading, as I said that, an article in which you made it clear that you're not really interested in just serving individuals. You really want to find ways of serving communities. Um, you know, tell me a yeah. little bit about that, that distinction.
0: Well, so for us um – yeah, as mo well, most tops I mean, uh, the last mile continues to be a challenge. So we're looking at the last mile uh, a couple different ways and, and kind of a strategy behind it. You know, by working with the towns, it makes so much more sense. When you look at some of the other successes uh, of towns connecting uh, around the country, uh, here in Massachusetts, one of the ones that gets pointed to a lot is Leverett, Massachusetts, very small town, 800 homes. Uh, they basically rolled out, and connected the entire community. Every home, every business, uh, went right down the street and connected folks. Uh, that's a model that's interesting to us, just in the sense that it's very, really, it's very efficient and cost-effective. Um, as we're looking to raise the money to connect these communities, and the communities are looking for it, you know, we've been working with them to understand uh, how they can pay for connections, and we're trying to help where we we can. I wish I had a. I wish I had the budget to connect everyone, but I just don't. So we're kind of, uh, as the advocates for the towns and for the individuals, we're really encouraging, let's get a community-wide perspective on this. And if I'm going to connect up a community, I want to make sure there's three or 400 homes in there or a neighborhood. I'm going to go in and connect uh, three or 400 homes versus connecting three or four homes where I'm sending out trucks and uh, having our partners send out trucks and work with them on connecting. So really this, 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 Community orientation is really important, particularly here in parochial New England, where, um, you know, 15 different towns on the Cape, it might as well be 15 different countries, um, <laughs> so, uh, there's a little bit of political navigating that has to happen there, and we're starting this project, and, uh, Ah, uh, part of our job is to serve as an advocate. Besides the owner of the fiber and all the electronics, we're an advocate for the towns, for the residents. Uh, we're trying to bring the best practices to light and help guide them in the ma- as they make decisions about connecting their communities. Because, to their credit, each one of the Cape towns really is getting behind this, and they're starting to understand it. That look, uh, yes, tourism is a huge economic driver here, but there's much more than tourism. And you mentioned, you know, we have. Individuals that come here that are that can be substantially wealthy and are are leaders in industry and whatnot. So we look at it as an opportunity to extend the amount of time they stay stay here. Maybe they just don't come for the month of August, but maybe if they had a super fast connection to their home, uh, that they would come more often and spend more time here because of our huge retirement um, community here. Uh, you know the retired individuals. There's a lot to offer, whether they're consulting or doing work in their retirement. Uh, having great connectivity is a huge part of that. And when I talk with my colleagues at you know the Cape Cod Chamber of Commerce and the Cape Cod uh, Tech Council, uh, groups like that, we see fiber as an integral part of driving the economic engine that is you know the Cape and Islands and southeastern Mass.
2: Yeah, I've seen some studies that uh, looking at areas in which people tend to have a lot of vacation time, you know, uh, summer homes and things like that. In some of the studies I've seen, and I think this is one that I can't name, but the, I rem- the, the conclusion stuck with me from, I believe it was northern Wisconsin, which was that if they could extend the season by just one week, um, the economic impact of that is tremendous. And I would guess that if you could do something like that where you extended, you know, um, just the amount of time that. Some proportion of people stayed there. Uh, that that extra economic benefit would probably be more than enough to pay for the network extensions that you're considering.
0: Exactly, and that's that's the exact approach we're taking. Uh, and you can really see it in profound ways. So I'll give you an example: Provincetown, Massachusetts. For those of you who aren't familiar, it's right on the end of Cape Cod. It's where the actual Pilgrims stopped first. You know, they stopped and got off and relaxed for a minute, and then they went over to, to Plymouth uh, to Plymouth Rock. Here's a community that has about 2900 year round residents that in the summer explodes to about 65,000 individuals. <laughs> wow. That's indicative of the cape in general. You look at Falmouth, uh, down by Woods Hole, you know, 30,000 uh, year round residents that number balloons to 105,000 in the summer. So uh, exactly. If we can stretch that season a bit and have people come here, whether they're coming for the weekend or if they're coming in the spring, but they can extend their usage by having great connectivity, it really is an economic game changer for the entire region in terms of revenue generation and brain drain and, you know, uh, having these people plug in and become part of the community. Uh, it really gives us a huge opportunity. So, um, in places like Provincetown, where in the winter months they see, you know, kind of rampant unemployment, 38%. You know, here's an opportunity for places like that to really encourage people to become year-round residents. Uh, I actually just went to a meeting not too long ago, a citizens meeting in Provincetown. They asked me to come and speak where they were talking about um, the individuals that come to Provincetown. You know, it was, it started as an artist community. It's a very culturally diverse uh, community. It's an LGBT kind of um, community that's really centered about living that kind of lifestyle. It's it's very open and free. Uh, it's a great place to be, and it's got amazing beaches, and who wouldn't want to live there? But uh, having individuals come there and people who have homes in in Washington and New York and Boston and Providence and all across the country, all across the world, who are coming there and spending their summers there, extending that window. So if fiber can help do that, uh, it certainly becomes advantageous to the whole region, and, and every one of the towns on the Cape has a similar story to Provincetown. It's just our, it's our m- most visible example because it is densely populated, so you have very, like, a densely populated downtown, for a f- and for a fiber build-out, it is ideal in that sense. It's so ideal, in fact, that we actually had our, some my colleagues from Google come and look at um, possibly doing some testing there for some of their broadband deployment via wireless. So it's a, it's a really interesting area out there.
2: Great. Now, as we wrap up, I just want to I want to ask you one final thing about the meetings, because I think it's really impressive the kind of gains that you've made in terms of educating local governments um, within your footprint about this. You know, you you said you've had many meetings and I'm curious if you have a sense of about how many meetings and and just what does an average meeting look like? Uh, You know, what do you talk about?
0: You know, it's funny um, when I got here, so much focus had been put on the build that we really hadn't done a very good job of getting out and talking with the communities about hey we're building this. What does it mean? You know we're having people really understand that. I mean there is an awareness within the the community of folks the the early adopters, if you will. but for the average individual or for the uh, the main uh, governing body here in these Cape and Island towns is selectmen so in each town, you typically have a a board of selectmen that's anywhere from you know four to eight people, and then you've got some we also have an overlay of a county government we have some county commissioners so Really educating those individuals and all the associated folks that trickle down through the town governments, uh, through influencers in each town, uh, really having people understand not only what we're doing with this this fiber uh, middle mile, but also what the possibilities become. So you start talking about all the different things that fiber can impact from education and, and housing and serving seniors and public safety. I mean, you know, here's an area where we're, you know, on the Cape alone, I'm on 12,000 telephone poles. You know that a storm is coming at some point, and it will take out three or 400 of those poles. And that's why we build a redundant microwave system to move critical information and communication as part of this process. But understanding that, and you've probably seen, you know, if you're seeing the news, uh, we've had this huge seal population move into Chatham, Mass., which is out on the elbow of Cape Cod. And now we have these interesting things swimming around in the water, these 12- and 14-foot great white sharks, uh, which is super interesting. So we have all this research going on, uh, whether it's an extension of, of Woods Hole or those organizations that are researching the white, the great white sharks. But uh, we have 7.5 million people that use these outer Cape beaches uh, a year, and that prevent you know presents some safety issues. So we're working with a variety of organizations about you know tying fiber into early predator you know shark warning technology and things like that, just so we can make sure this is a safe environment. So really doing a job to educate the towns. And I know in the first two months I went out and did about 120 meetings. Literally, I would meet with anyone uh, who wanted to talk to me from boards of selectmen to economic investment development corps to, you know, every town has this one senior individual who isn't really a politician right. or selectman, but just is an influencer, you know, the godfather, if you will, of the town to doing those kinds of meetings and understanding. And I've, I've talked to homeowners associations. I've talked to business associations, the home builders associations here on the Cape Cod, we have an organization Called the Smarter Cape Partnership, which is really a combination of groups. Uh, Open Cape is one of the founders, uh, the Cape Cod Chamber of Commerce, Cape Cod Community College, uh, the Home Builders Association, the Realers Association, uh, the Cape Cod Young Professionals. And we work in collaboration with organizations like the Cape Cod Commission to kind of set the tone for important things that are happening on the Cape and Islands. So, working with those groups to communicate really clearly about goals and objectives moving forward and i think that's made a, a colossal difference in the turnaround we're seeing as far as people getting behind connectivity and understanding it's a lot more than just getting fast netflix it's about you know revitalizing the cape and islands and southeastern mass while maintaining that village mentality that people love when they come to new england
2: Great. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. So thank you so much for telling us more about Open Cape and your, how you're going about uh, expanding and improving it.
0: Great. Thanks so much, Chris. I appreciate talking to you.
1: That was Chris and Steve Johnston, Executive Director of Open Cape in Massachusetts. We have transcripts for this and other community broadband bits podcasts available at muninetworks.org broadband Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. You can follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at Community Nets. Follow MuniNetworks.org stories on Twitter, where the handle is at MuniNetworks.org. Thank you to the group Roller Genoa for their song, Safe and Warm in Hunter's Arms, licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to Episode 215 of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast.